Hello, Sacramento State students, and welcome to episode one of the State Hornet News Podcast for the spring 2020 semester. My name is Robbie Pierce. I'm your brand new State Hornet Podcast Editor. I'm taking over for Will Coburn, last semester's podcast editor who graduated at the end of last semester. And for episode one of the news podcast today, I am joined in the studio first by Kendra Rivera Molina, who is the news editor here at the State Hornet. And she covered the Women's March over starting in Midtown, ending at the Capitol Steps. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about what went down, what she saw. And then afterwards, I'm also joined by Marguerite Tabil, who is the editor-in-chief here at the State Hornet. And she and I have a little bit of a conversation about what you can expect from our audio division under new leadership. Hello, Sac State students, and welcome to the State Hornet News Podcast. My name is Robbie Pierce. I'm the podcast editor over here at the State Hornet, and I'm joined here today in the studio by... Uh, State Hornet News Editor, Kendra Rivera-Molina. Thank you for coming here today, Kendra. Um, And so, could you tell a listener a little bit about why you're here today? Yeah, sure. So, uh, this past Saturday, um, I went to go cover the Women's March, which is an annual march that started about three years ago. And where was it? It was at the state capitol, and it actually started at Southside Park and basically at 10th Street. And then from there, they walked down uh, to the state capitol. It was a rally in March. Okay, and you said it was the fourth annual, right? Yes, it was the fourth annual. Mm-hmm. Of the specifically the Women's March that's been done in Sacramento because it's uh, directly affiliated with the nationwide global Women's Marches, yes, right? Yes, I was going to say, yeah. So uh, at least in the Women's March Sacramento, what they were promoting and they were trying to aspire to do is the hashtag, which was Women's Rising. And essentially, they were just there because they're advocating for human rights that pertain especially to the woman def- demographic, the woman population. Because as we know in history, it's been very overlooked and overseen, unfortunately. So you said it was a march and rally, and I've seen it been described a lot as a march and rally. So what was sort of going on? What were the activities outside of just the march? Amazing individuals. So there was an MC, and they were pulling up a bench of awesome coalitions, amazing individuals that were trying and striving for grassroots lobbying, grassroots campaign, as well as advocating for civil rights and preserving that. Well, so which, there, mm-hmm. really quick, sorry, I know you just pulled up her name, but so when we're talking about advocating for grassroots lobbying and human rights and civil rights, what, what were some like tangible examples of specific causes that people were lobbying for at the march? So a lot of people were striving for reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. For example, um, the Trump administration passed uh, two times already the the global gag rule, which is essentially is trying to end all reproductive rights for individuals, when in reality that's up to their own free will. Meaning things like banning access to abortion or limiting access to abortion? Yes. Uh-huh. And um, moving forward with that, though, something that was also really symbolic was the fact that the Miwok people were guiding the individuals, or guiding the marchers, guiding the people that were uh, at the rally in the march, to the Capitol from uh, Southside Park. Um, and I say that's symbolic because of the fact that they are essentially one of the original um, native tribes of the Sacramento region, mm. you know, prior, um, prior to European times of settlement, colonization. colonization. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And so her name was, uh, she's a tribal chair and elder now because she's 74 years old. And her name is Mary Tarango. Um, but she's been leading the Miwok people for 22 years. And Ever since she started and get, got elected, um, there's just been a lot of revitalization along with her, their tribe as well as sister tribes. Um, and I think that's just promoting more of what the Women's March was advocating for, which was justice for 
human rights pertaining specifically to women's rights and anyone who's identifying um, of a woman um, because these are native individuals that were this is their land essentially and mm-hmm. unfortunately they have to ask permission to do things when it's actually entitled to them so the fact that they were able to be a really main part of the march that I saw a lot of for example they were leading a lot of songs a lot of chants during the march like essentially the walk from Southside Park to the Capitol were they physically also, leading the, sorry were yes. they physically leading the actual march yes I was gonna say they physically were they first they were the first to leave they were the first to um, arrive and that's when they right when they got to the Capitol that's when they started singing they were starting to chant they were also speaking upon the reason why um, the, the, import, the importance of why the tribe was guiding and essentially doing their best to send a message and what they represent and what they advocate for so w- was there anyone else, like any really noteworthy guests there? I know you said a lot of local organizations went. What were some like examples? Yeah, so uh, my sister's house was there. And what they do is they advocate for individuals who unfortunately have gone down, have endured uh, sexual abuse or uh, anything associated with that. And they're basically, in a way, an asylum. What they do is they take, a, take in individuals, regardless of background, regardless of the situation that is seeking to basically escape the situation that um, they're confronting and they're enduring. Uh, and also, um, so one of the um, one of the people that went up on the west steps of the Capitol was Jody Hicks. She's the president and CEO affiliate of Planned Parenthood in the California um, area. Specifically, she is actually in the Sacramento, uh, I was going to say the Sacramento office, and she's been that since October of last year. Uh, and she was basically trying to explain to others why, in general, reproductive rights really is inclined to whoever the individual is um, that is trying to seek the right to control their reproduction. Yeah, exactly. And um, because I don't know, for whatever reason, um, politicians and um, people are trying to pass laws limiting others to decide whatever is right for their own health. And I think that Jody Hicks really put forward that in reality, because she even admitted to her and her daughter being a patient of Planned Parenthood, that it's uh, a normal thing for an individual to seek health, regardless of what anyone's background, religion, et cetera, chooses for them. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that some critics of the Women's March have raised concerns over sort of a lack of intersectionality. Um, being very focused on issues that would really only affect white women or would really only affect cis women. Um, did you see any sort of issues like that while you were at the Women's March? Um, <clears throat> so I think that when it comes to white women and cisgender individuals that identify as that, they didn't bring up a lot of concerns, unfortunately, about LGBTQ. They didn't. And I, yeah, I agree. They didn't really talk about LGBTQ uh anything concerns issues yeah concerns yeah they didn't really talk about lgbtq concerns but um i think that it wasn't intentional to like uh discredit them or to not associate themselves with them because there was a lot of coalitions and clubs there and groups so i don't think it was an intentional thing for lgbtq individuals to be you know intersection out or not be the main point of the event i think that um, they are definitely included, regardless whoever they identify as, as and whoever they are, whether they're cis, whether they're trans, etc. If I could ask you one final question. Um, so you said that a lot of the talk at this march at this rally was focused on human rights, not necessarily women's rights. In your opinion, why do you think they still call it the Women's March then? So I would say it's because the whole definition of 
the Women's March is preserving not only women's rights, but anybody that identifies as a woman. And that's where human comes into play. Um, these individuals, you know, ever since women's suffrage, even before that, and continuing to now in general, our history has demonstrated that women have been demeanored and left out and seen as just submissive to men. And if you're asking my honest opinion, they are just, it's like they're side pieces, you know? Even a, w a wife is obligated to do a systemic thing established for, it's a systemic thing for women to be inclined to follow whatever their husband or whatever the man in the picture is to them. And even marriage, you know, women are obligated to get married. And when they do get married, it's like, oh, okay, you belong to your husband now. And that's something that I've noticed personally, in my opinion, in history. So I guess they didn't want to just touch base on women's because they've been excluded so much that they were trying to let others know we are human. We're not just women. We're not only advocating for women's rights. We're advocating for human rights because we are human. Yes, we are women and we deserve equitable rights, but we're human beings too, and we need to be acknowledged as human beings. That's that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I'm very passionate about this topic. But. No, I understand. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much all I had to ask. So yeah, thank you for coming on, Kendra. Thank you. I really hope you got everything that you needed, and yeah. Hello, Sac State students, and welcome to the first episode of the State Hornet News Podcast. My name is Robbie Pierce, and I'm the podcast editor, and I'm joined here today in the studio by... Margarita Biel. I'm the editor-in-chief of the State Hornet. All right, and uh, Margarita, we discussed a little bit just before we started recording. Uh, do you want to sort of tell people while we're here today? Yeah, so we wanted to give a little bit of an overview um, as far as what to expect in terms of our audio production here at the State Hornet. It's a really exciting time for us. Uh, this is our second semester operating as a digital-only publication. Last semester, we started our podcast program, which went really well. Uh, I'm really happy with the way that things turned out in that regard, and I'm really excited to continue with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking over for Will Coburn, who was the podcast editor last semester, pretty much made the whole program from scratch, Will did, and Will graduated right at the end of last semester he did right so then now i'm taking over and it's my show now <laughs> but uh no for real like i'm taking over brand new podcast editor so probably brand new direction um margarita you're in term two of two on being editor of chief correct yes i am it is my last semester not just with the state hornet not just with being editor-in-chief but at sac state i am graduating in the spring so. congratulations thank you uh but yeah so i'm i'm new podcast editor you're finishing up your editor-in-chief tenure and your time at sac state and we're also uh launching a radio show with kssu relatively soon am i allowed to say that yes okay <laughs> so a, a lot a lot of new stuff that i think students can expect from like you said our audio division um I definitely know that for my plans, I want to sort of expand the podcast program and I want to just have pretty much just as many shows as we can support at once. And I also want to make it so that they're going to be very like diverse in terms of content, in terms of the tone, in terms of the people on it. Um, I just want to have a lot of differently tailored podcast audio experiences that the State Hornet can provide to students. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely something that our audience and anyone tuning into our podcast can expect 
is a larger variety of shows. Um, I think that the really cool thing about podcasts in general is that they primarily appeal to a niche audience. So mm-hmm. you can create really specific content and you can get sort of exactly what you're looking for in podcasts. So I think what I'm hoping to achieve in terms of our audio division this semester is building up a little bit more of that. Um, of course, we will continue with our regular news, uh, sports, and Siobhan's John shows. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I would really like to create more shows um, and more interesting things that you can listen to. So, mm-hmm. And definitely nothing concrete to like announce yet, but I, I, I've been hearing pitches. I imagine you've heard a couple pitches. So within the coming weeks, uh, dear listener, I think you can definitely expect a lot more from the Stay Hornet. Absolutely. Um, and just in regards to the KSSU X State Hornet collaboration, mm-hmm. uh, that's really exciting. Um, I'm really happy about that. I think it, it it seems. I mean, I guess it would seem like an obvious fit to anyone. You know, the the news organization of the college um, partnering with the radio station. But I'm really excited about that. Um, that's just going to be one more way that you can tune into State Hornet content um, on a different platform. And I think ultimately that's the goal of being digital only is that we can reach our audiences in ways that they want to be reached and in ways that are more convenient and more direct. And I think that's going to about wrap things up for episode one of the State Hornet News podcast for the spring 2020 semester. Uh, Check back next week for the next episode, as well as later this week for sports and Siobhan's John and everything else. Um, So yeah, until next time, I've been Robbie Pierce, podcast editor. Editor-in-chief, thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. In other news, over the course of winter break, 12 crimes were reported to the Sacramento State Police Department, with vandalism being the most reported crime, and including one report of a sexual assault that occurred on campus sometime between August 22nd, 2019 and October 23rd, 2019, and was reported on December 18th, 2019. And Caitlin St. Croix, a Sacramento State child development major and resident assistant, died in a head-on collision in Stanislaus County Thursday, January 9th, according to University Communications. According to an email sent to the State Hornet by California Highway Patrol, Quote, the collision is still under investigation. The CHP does a thorough investigation when it comes to fatality collisions. Therefore, the completion of the report can take weeks to complete. End quote. For more information on these stories and more, you can visit statehornet.com for round-the-clock news coverage. For the State Hornet, I'm Robbie Pierce, podcast editor. Thank you for listening.